0: Well, today I have the great privilege of leading us in a conversation about kingdom generosity. Kingdom generosity. As many of you know, we just concluded a series on our mission, which I believe is God's mission for this church and for our lives, which is follow Jesus, love people. Follow Jesus, love people. In fact, say it with me. Follow Jesus and love people. And today I want to talk about The topic of kingdom generosity. For you see, in our lives, we need to partner with God on what he is doing. We need to ask God, how can we be a part of what you are doing, God, instead of asking him to bless what we're doing. We need to say, God, we need to be on your agenda. Help us do that. And today I want to talk about kingdom generosity because I believe that God cares about our finances. He cares about how we steward what he's entrusted to us. And some of you may be pushing back and saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. Pastor John, you're talking about money. Well, today, before you check out, I want you to have an open mind. I want you to give God a chance to speak to you. For you see, I'm not here to ask for more money. I'm actually just here because I want to share God's heart. And I want to share with all of us what we see in God's word with regards to money, possessions, And our wealth that he's entrusted to us. God has a purpose for our lives and for our future. But we must be willing to say, God, you're in charge of all things. As a church, you trust me as your pastor to speak about the important topics of life. Whether it's faith and eternity, relationships, marriage, how to advance spiritually, how to live a life of integrity. Both in your personal life and in your family and in your business. But I also believe that God has given us the privilege of going to his word with regards to finances. And I just believe that God's going to give us wisdom today as we talk about money, finances, and possessions. I don't know if you know this, but every time you go to a restaurant or to a department store or even on Amazon, there's always a conversation about money. But you know, that never stops us from going back. So I want to invite you. Let's hear from God today about what he would have us do with what he's entrusted to us. In fact, I believe that God cares more about our finances than we can. For in the Bible, when you look carefully, what you'll notice is that there's 500 verses on prayer, which is important, 500 verses on faith, which is important, and 2,350 verses on money and possessions. When you look at the ministry of Jesus what we discover is this, is that 15% of everything that Jesus spoke about was about money and possessions. 16 out of the 38 parables that he shared with his disciples that's recorded in the Gospels was about money. That's 40%. And the only topic that Jesus spoke about more than finances was on the kingdom of God. And so what I want to submit to us today is this, is that if it... If Jesus believes it's important to talk about, I think we need to talk about it as well. I want to reassure you, I'm going to bring a biblical perspective, because you don't need to hear my opinion. My, my opinion about your finances and your increase in what God provides to you does not matter. But I believe God's word matters, and that what he says about how we should live, both in our life and in our integrity, and even in our finances, matters. You allow this book to speak to your heart about all the important topics of life. And I want to reassure us that when we hear God's word today, he's going to speak clearly, he's going to speak gently, and he's going to speak convincingly to us about what we should do with what he's entrusted to us. We put together this resource. It's called our giving booklet. You should have received it when you came in today. If by chance you did not, on the way out, our ushers have it available for you. You can pick it up. We've just put this resource together because we want you to discover the blessing that comes from being generous the way God intends for us to be generous. So take a look. This is all biblical. It will help you advance in your walk of faith and in your generosity under the Lord. I believe that not only God cares about our finances, but that he also wants us to be joyful when we give. In 2 Corinthians 9-7, We're reminded that God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. He wants us to give. That's what we can get out of this verse. He wants us to give, but he wants us to give cheerfully. But what we discover in our giving is this, is that we won't experience the fullness of the joy of God until we're willing to release what he's entrusted to us. Could it be possible that the blessings that God has put in your life is not only for you, but also for someone else? Could it be that you're the answer to someone's prayer? Someone today is praying. Someone is praying for something extra so they can take care of their family. It's one of the reasons why we as a church, we want to be not only cheerful givers, but we want to be generous givers. In fact, Westover, I'm so very proud of you because you all are so very generous. Last year, because of your generosity, we invested into the kingdom of God the following. $45,000 into disaster relief in Puerto Rico and around the world through Convoy of Hope. $86,000 into our local community through Westover Cares. That included giving to the food bank, giving to Christian Assistance Ministry. That included giving gift cards to teachers so they didn't have to reach into their Pocketbook to pay for supplies for kids who don't have enough, even to give backpacks and water bottles to kids who go to elementary schools. We also gave $96,000 to local and world missions efforts. We also received our largest offering ever to date as a church $201,000 last year so that we could feed over 1,700 kids this year around the world. Because of your generosity, Westover, you are the answer to a prayer of a parent. When they're making decisions about which child to feed, they now know that they can ensure that their child is fed and that they can eat too because more often than not, what happens is when they have a little bit of food, they'll feed their children first because that's a profoundly difficult decision. Which child should I feed? So they feed all the children that they have with what they have, and then they go hungry. Today, we get the opportunity to be generous. When you aggregate all that together and some of the other projects we've done, last year, we gave $1.3 million to local and global missions because of your generosity. I'm also very proud to report that when you look at our annual budget as a church, that $1.3 million is over 10%. We tithe off of what came into this house to bless the kingdom of God because we believe that when we pick up the tab for other people who can't pay it, God will pay us back. He'll bless us. He'll be generous to us. I also want to provide a report to you. Past two weekends, I've shared with, uh, with us as a church the fact that we have a missions opportunity in the country of Nicaragua. In the country of Nicaragua, in the Assemblies of God, there is not a central Bible school to teach people who feel called into the ministry. And our commitment to that project was $20,000. It seemed daunting to reach that. It seemed daunting to reach that. I'm here to report, I'm pleased to report, that because of your generosity, we're giving this week $37,000. We've exceeded the commitment. Why? Why? Because you heard the heart of God. You felt compelled by the opportunity to invest in the kingdom of God. And I just believe God's going to bless that project. And he's going to bless you because you're willing to give. Some of you may be wondering, Pastor John, why, why do you give so much away? We give away because God is generous to us. Let me also share with you my heart a little bit. As a pastor... First of all, God doesn't need any of our money because he has more than enough resource. And I don't want your money either. What I am asking is, I'm asking on behalf of God that we would rally around the mission he has to love this world and to fully follow him. I want to see more people come to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I want to see more people walk in this auditorium to be able to experience prayer and healing. I want us to be able to resource kids in our community and send them to the soccer league for free. I want to be able to resource the single mom who doesn't have enough to pay the bills. I want us to reach people who are far from God, who have lost hope in their life. And I believe that God's going to give us the capacity to do it because he is able, he is able, he is able to do it exceedingly abundantly more than all that we ask or imagine because his power is at work within us he's inviting us into his grand plan to partner with him to advance his mission i'm not here to ask for money i'm here to say let's together get behind the mission of god so that when we get to heaven we can say god we did all of this for you We did this for your honor and glory. We did this to fully live out our mission of following you wholeheartedly and loving people extravagantly, and I believe God's going to help us do that. The other reason why we're generous is because God is so profoundly generous to us. When you look at John 3.16, we discover the extravagant love and generosity of God in the person of Jesus Christ. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world. And that love compelled them to do what? He did what? He gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The reason we can be generous is because God was generous to us first. In fact, the generous gift that he gave to us, we don't deserve it, but God freely gave it. We can't outgive a God that is so generous, but he's inviting us to step in and to trust him and to trust him at his word as we just sung just a moment ago and step in and say, God, I'm going to get behind your mission. I'm going to get behind what you care about. We need to allow God to burden our heart for what breaks his heart. Be willing to say, God, I'm willing to get behind that. I'm willing to put my heart, my life, my full commitment and tell God I'm fully all in. I'm willing to resource what is your priority. I just believe God's inviting us to be not only cheerful givers, but generous givers. As a church, my prayer as a pastor is that people would know that we are generous givers. That we are generous givers and that as we give, we're actually reflecting the love of God. For you see, we love when we give. We love when we give. There's a joy that comes in our heart when we give because it honors God. There's a joy unspeakable that comes when God speaks something to our hearts and we're willing to be generous. We're willing to be generous. We're willing to give out what God puts on our heart to give. But also, we love when we give. Generosity is an expression of God's love. And when we're generous, we experience not only God's love for us, but we extend God's love to other people. God's inviting us. He's saying, catch my heart. Catch a vision for what generosity can do in the lives of other people. And what we'll discover is that when we're generous just like he is, he's generous to us. He's saying, I want to do the immeasurably more in your life He's inviting us to trust him and allow him to do the immeasurably more through our life. Which reminds me of a story about generosity and how generosity is both taught and caught. A little boy went to church, to big church, for the first time with his parents. He didn't want to go to kids' ministry, so he decided to sit with his parents and he walked in and he was sitting in the seat right, behind, right beside his parents and he was wiggling and he was looking around and he was wondering, what is that strange instrument at the front, that organ? What is that? He didn't know what that was. And then he saw some people singing songs in funny-looking robes. They were in the choir loft. And then he began to look around and wonder, why are we standing up and sitting down and standing up and sitting down? He couldn't understand what was happening around him. And then at the very end... When the ushers were coming by with the offering plate, because back then they were handing out the offering plate. For those of you who don't know, there was a moment when you couldn't give digitally. You actually had to give cash or write a check. Some of you are wondering, what is a check? What A check is a piece of paper. You write who you're paying it to, you write the amount, and then you hand it to them, and then they've got to take it to the bank, and then the bank has to verify it and all that. There wasn't Apple Pay, there wasn't Google Pay, there wasn't Zelle or Venmo, there was paper, old school paper. And so this little boy was looking around, and he saw the usher pass the offering plate, and he tapped his dad on the shoulder, and he said, Dad, Don't worry about paying for me. I'm only five. (laughs) I'm only five. I'm only five. Parents, today we have the opportunity. In fact, church, we have the opportunity to live out God's generous love to people. We have the opportunity to do that, but we also have the opportunity to teach the next generation about how good God is and how when we're generous just like him, he pours out immeasurably more blessing and I'm inviting us to capture the heart of God. I want to invite you, I want to invite you to lower your guard for just a moment. Often, what happens in these conversations about money and finances in the church, there's a wall that goes up. Like I said, I don't want you to hear what I have to say, but I, I sure want you to hear what God has to say because His word matters. And whatever He speaks is true and faithful, and we can rely on His word. His word is true and faithful, and we can hold on to it. Today, I've titled the message, First Fruits. First Fruits. And the idea of First Fruits is explained in Proverbs chapter 3. In fact, it's a law. It's called the Law of First Fruits. And so I want to invite you to join me in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. I want to invite you to turn there, turn on your Bible, open up your Bible. Let's look at the word of God together. And while you're opening up, I want to explain to you what's happening in this. The writer Solomon is writing to people in his kingdom and he's telling them, he's explaining to them the importance of giving to God and how we can honor God. For you see, back then, people lived in an agrarian society that meant that most of them were farmers or ranchers. They would grow everything that they would eat and whatever was left over, they would sell it. They would keep some of it as reserves so they could plant the next year. All the livestock that they would use to, to farm... They had to raise those animals and care for them. The animals that they would eat, they would actually raise. That's why they never, they never named any of their livestock. They made sure. But here's what Solomon is speaking to them. He's telling them, God is inviting us to give our very first fruits to him. Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10, it says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Not just some, but all. All of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. What he's speaking to them is this, is there's a law at work here. If we do this, then God will do that. If we do this, then God will do that. He's saying, if you honor me with your wealth and give me your first fruits, then I will pour out overflow blessings upon you. That law was true back then and it's true today. If we honor God with our wealth and our increase, he will bless us. Because he's not a man that he should lie. He always speaks the truth. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he spoke it, we can rely on it. We can trust God's word. In a world where there's skepticism and there's fake news and spin, And a political agenda or some other agenda, we can rely on God's word that what He speaks is true and faithful, and He never turns back on what He speaks. God's inviting us to be generous just like Him. Well, today I want to share with you two steps that all of us can take to experience God's blessings. The first one is this give God your first and best, say first and best, best. not your last and least. Give God your first and best, not your last and least. What we see in God's word is he deserves our very first and best. Why? Because the word of God tells us that in him we live and move and have our being. Also, that he was the one who whispered into the ear of humanity, be fruitful and multiply. So if God said, be fruitful and multiply, we know that he's going to give us the capacity to be fruitful and multiply. In fact, if we take that thought just a little bit further, what we realize, we realize that when we look at the body that we have, who gave us that body? God did. When we think about our mind and our capacity to work and to be successful and to hit deadlines and to stay gainfully employed, who, who gave us the mind that we have? God did. Who was the one that provided the job when there was no job opening? God did. God did. Who provided the promotion when there was no promotion? God did. In fact, God has this revolutionary idea that he owns everything. Everything. Psalm 24 verse 1 says this, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. When he says everything, what does that mean? Everything. 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 The world and all its people belong to him. If this is true, which I believe it is, then our money, our possessions, and our wealth, and our increase all belongs to who? It belongs to God. And if it belongs to God and He owns it, then do we own it? No, we don't own it. He owns it. We are just stewards or managers of what He's entrusted to us. God blesses us so that we can bless our family, but He also blesses us so that we can bless others. For you see... We are blessed to be a what? A blessing to others. God's inviting us to lean into that. That's why he tells us in verse 9, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Let me illustrate this. In a time long ago, this was God's provision. This is how God provided for his people. This was the entirety of what he would provide to them. He would empower them to raise crops. He would give them the capacity to to raise livestock. And this represents the fullness of God's blessing and favor. But the people back then, they didn't have the privilege of having modern irrigation. They actually had to trust God because they would plant the seed and then they would pray, Oh God, please make sure that enough rain comes. So that my plants grow but not so much rain that my plants wash away. And provide enough sun so that my plants grow but not so much sun that they burn. Make sure to protect my plants from pestilence and bugs and illness. Protect my animals from dying off. They would pray this prayer. And they had to step out in faith and trust God. They had no other choice but to trust God with everything that he had given to them. But when it came... To honoring God. They had the choice. Would they give him the first and the best. Or would they give him the last and the least. Would they give him the very choicest. Of the things that God had grown for them. Because he was the one who grew it. Would they they say God I'm going to honor you. You deserve the very best. Or or would they give him. Something that is the last and the least. Back then. Back then. What people understood is that if they wouldn't feed it to their family, they wouldn't give it to God. They understood the importance of giving to God what he deserved because they understood that God was the one who provided to them. I think many of us, we struggle with this idea of generosity because we forget we're disconnected from the fact that this was God's provision. We earn a paycheck, but I want to remind us that everything that we have belongs to God and he's the one who provides there's a story in Genesis chapter 4. It's the story of Cain and Abel, two brothers. And God instructed them to bring an offering unto him. And so Abel brought an offering to God and God accepted it. Why? Because Abel was willing to give God everything that he deserved and he did it in a cheerful manner and he did it in an expeditious, quick manner. But Cain Cain didn't come with the right attitude. In fact, God rejected Cain's offering. Why? Because Cain gave his last and his least. It says that he only brought some of what God deserved and he did it when he got around to it. He gave the last and the least at the very last moment. And today we're faced with that same choice. Are we going to give God our first and our best and are we going to be fully obedient? Or are we going to be like Cain and give the last and the least when we get around to it. Many of us, we trust God. We trust Him with our marriage. We trust Him, and we believe for miracles. Week in and week out, whenever we have prayer moments, many of you come up to the front you say, God, I'm trusting you for a miracle. I'm trusting you to heal my aunt or my uncle. You trust Him to make sure to protect your children when they go to school. You pray that he would help you thrive in your marriage. You pray that God will help you with that difficult coworker, that really hard, difficult person you have to deal with. And so we trust him in that regard. And again, I'm not speaking he is. He's saying, are you willing to trust me in this area of your life? Remember, if we're willing to trust him in this area, he's willing to bless us. But if you look a little closer to the Word of God, what you'll discover is that the law of first fruits is connected to the law of tithing. You may be wondering, what is a tithe? A tithe just means 10%. 10%. So when God said, honor me with your wealth, give me the firstfruits, what God actually meant was give me 10%. In the Bible, it says this, in Malachi 3, verses 6 and 10, I, the Lord, do not change. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. In fact, in Leviticus 27, God says that the tithe belongs to Him and that it's holy, that that is untouchable, that we can't spend it, that we need to entrust it to Him. We need to bring it to Him. And so what would the people do? What would the people do? Whenever they came to the house of God, they would make sure to gather up the very best of what they could bring to God. They would make sure that what they brought to Him was perfect and pristine because they wanted to say thank you to God for his faithfulness and his generosity. So they would take a tenth and they would bring it to him and they would say, God, you deserve my very best and I'm going to bring it. And what they would do is they would bring it to the house of God. For in Deuteronomy 14.22, it says this, God specifies where to bring it. He says, bring a whole tithe into the place of worship. What is the place of worship? The house of God. So what they would do is they would take it. And every time they would go to the temple, every time they would go to the synagogue, they would not come empty-handed. They would come and they would entrust to God, and then they would place this at the, at the altar of God, and then they would say, Thank you, God. Thank you for blessing me. I'm willing to give you the tenth because you provided all of that for me. I'm willing to give this to you. Many of us, we struggle with generosity because when we, look at, when we look at what we have in front of us, we're focused on the 10% that we're giving to God, and we fail to realize all that He's already given to us. We fail to realize His generosity. Here's what I've discovered. It's not that we give 10% of what we own to God It's that God lets us keep 90 of what belongs to him. That's a pretty good deal. That's a pretty good deal. What we discover, though, is that whenever we give to God, God always backfills us and he blesses us. God gives us a backfill blessing. I don't know about you, but I want God's backfill blessings. I want to experience the overflow blessings that come for him. God is inviting us to discover the joy in giving to him what he deserves. This is a way we honor him. This is the way we worship him. We worship him because he is worthy. He is holy. God's inviting us to discover that. He's inviting us to discover the fact that when we are faithful to God on the back end, he releases fruitfulness to us on the front end. When we're when we When we are faithful to God on the back end, he releases fruitfulness to us on the front end. It's an if and then. If we honor him, then he will bless us. If we honor him, then he will bless us. If we honor him, then he will bless us. Today, God's challenging us. He's challenging us to discover the power that comes from not only giving him our first and our best, but also our tithe. You may be wondering, what does tithe actually mean? For us in this modern context, it means that we give 10% of what comes in pre-tax and any increase that we get to God. We give it to him because he deserves it, because we want to worship him, because we want to honor him for what he's given to us. He's wanting us to see that he's worthy of that. Now, for those of you who may be thinking that tithing is an Old Testament idea and it doesn't apply today, well, let me remind us that Jesus actually affirms the tithe in the gospels in Luke 11:42, 42 He speaks to the religious leaders of the day called Pharisees now the Pharisees they were people Who loved God with their lips, but not with their heart they would follow the law, but they didn't really love God They just wanted to appear nice. They just wanted to appear righteous. They didn't really want to be righteous So what Jesus says to them? He says this what sorrow awaits you Pharisees? For you are careful to tithe, even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. He goes on to say this, You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. In this moment, Jesus is correcting the Pharisees because they followed the letter of the law, but not the heart of God. They're willing to say, I'm willing to tithe, but justice, no, Loving God, no. God is saying to them, do both. Not only tithe, but also love God and be, be, willing to, be willing to follow me. He's saying, follow Jesus and love people. This is what he's saying right here in this passage. He's actually speaking the mission of God for this house. I think for many of us, what happens is we don't have a problem with justice and fairness in this world and in this culture. And we truly love God But for us, the problem is the opposite. We love God and we love extending social justice to people because we believe they deserve it, but we struggle with the tithe. We struggle with being generous to God. I wonder, I wonder if some of us are more married to our money than we are to Jesus, our master. We need to allow God to speak to our hearts. But when you look closer to the life and the ministry of Jesus, what you'll discover is that Jesus sets the expectation at the time, but he actually he offers two other radical ideas. He focuses in on two areas of life, because if we can understand how this is connected to how we live, it'll make a difference. The first area that Jesus focuses on, in on when it comes to finances, is Jesus focuses on the heart. He focuses in on the heart. Because Generosity and tithing is not a money issue. It's a heart issue. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 21. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What we treasure and what we value is reflected in our heart. So if our heart is for God, we'll align to the priorities of God. For some of us, for some of us, we value our money we value our time. We value our, what, what we can do with what we have instead of saying, God, I want all that you have. I have learned this over time that if you could see all the blessings that God wants to provide to you, you'd choose it every time. If you could see all that he has for you, you would choose it every time because he's good and he's faithful. God doesn't need our money, but he sure does need our heart and our devotion. God doesn't need our money, but our neighbor does. There's somebody in our community who needs to experience the love of Jesus. There's somebody in another country that needs to be resourced. There's a missionary in another country that is just asking God, will you provide resource to me so that I can proclaim the gospel to people who have never heard There's people in our community who are far from Jesus, and we have the opportunity to extend God's heart outside the four walls of this building so that we can achieve God's mission and so that we can give Him glory. Martin Luther. Martin Luther said this in the 16th century God doesn't need your good works, but your neighbor does. Our neighbor needs our kindness. Not just a hello through the window of our cars. We go into the garage. They need us to talk to them, to encourage them. There's somebody in your neighborhood that needs Jesus. There's somebody in your sphere of influence that needs Jesus. Somebody that needs to be resourced. A single mom that needs $50 in her hand so she can take her kids to eat. So she can have just a moment where she's not having to prepare a meal at home. We have the opportunity to do that. Because money is a thermometer. A thermometer of our devotion to God and our love for people. Here's the second area of our life that God focuses in on. This is what Jesus focused in on when he was here on earth. He focused in on radical generosity. Say it with me. Radical generosity. In Luke 3.11, he says, If you have two coats, give one away. What is that? 50%. In Luke 19, when Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house, you remember Zacchaeus' Well, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He would collect money for the Romans, and he would take a little off the top for himself. So he is a very wealthy man. But when Jesus said, I want to go to your house, they had a conversation. And over a couple hours, Zacchaeus' heart changed. And he told Jesus, I'm willing to sell half of what I own to give to people who are in need. And in fact, because Jesus, you were so generous to come to my house, and I'm so convicted by you, I'm willing to repay the people that I've cheated, which he did, he cheated people, four times over. And then, and then, in Mark 10, 21, Jesus told the rich young ruler, he told him, sell all that you have, give your money to the poor, and come follow me. The rich young ruler walked away because God was not his God, his money was. God's inviting us to make sure that we take the resources that he puts in his hands and that we apply them the way he intends for us to apply them. Money is not a problem, but the love of money is. The Bible tells us that the love of money is the root of all evil. There's something about, about the, the greediness of the human heart where we get so enraptured by that, and we think if we have more, if we have more, then, then, then we're going to be more successful, we're going to have more status, But I believe that God wants us to be a conduit conduit of his love. I don't know about you, but I don't want to steal anything that belongs to God. And I don't want to deprive anyone of the blessing that God has earmarked for me to be a blessing. The Bible tells us that it is more blessed to give than to receive. I want to make sure that that we don't steal from God. Let's not rob God. Let's give him what he deserves. And at the same time, discover the joy of being a conduit of his grace. God's not going to leave you in the poorhouse. He's going to actually take you into the the holy of holies with him, into his extravagant presence, and he's going to pour out radical generosity upon you. When we look at the life of the first followers of Jesus, after Jesus died and resurrected, what we discover is that they gave all that they had. Acts 2.45 tells us this. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They understood a principle. That generosity is not an expense, it's an opportunity. Generosity is not an expense, it's an opportunity. Parents, we have the opportunity to teach our kids about generosity. I learned about generosity from my parents. My parents are profoundly generous. They're profoundly generous. They taught my, my brother and I and all of my siblings about how to tithe. I would see them on Sunday morning write a check. Remember a check? Yeah, they would write a check. And there were moments when they would hold it up and say, God, take this and bless it. Use it to accomplish what you've planned for this church. And they would give it joyfully. And then they taught us. They would give us envelopes. We had one for saving, one for tithing, and then one for other things. And then we probably had an envelope with with very little money in it. What would happen is we would get about $10 for our chores. $1 would go to tithe. One would go to savings. And then we'd get about 50 cents to spend, which didn't buy us a whole lot. But they taught us about tithing. But even more than that, my parents taught me and my siblings about how to be generous, not only with your life, but also with their business. some of you know, my, my parents, they have given their life to my hometown in South Texas, deep South Texas, for 42 years. My dad's a doctor. My mom is a re- uh, retired, registered nurse. But together, for a couple decades, they, they would take care of the community. And in that town that I grew up in, about 20 to 30% of the people didn't have the resources to pay for medical care. But what often happened is they would call, and they say, my, my son is sick. They would say, mi hijo está enfermo. Puedo venir. And my parents would say, come. And they would Give free medical care to people in the community. Why? Because they didn't want to turn away. They wanted to be a blessing. They felt that God had blessed them so they could be a blessing. But there are moments when there was enough to go around, and there was also some moments when things were lean. But yet, they were still faithful. They would tithe, and then they would care for the people, and they would pay their employees. When I was much older, there was a season when I was in high school when there wasn't enough to go around. There's a couple weeks where my dad and mom did not receive a paycheck, but they still tithed and they still trusted God. And in those moments, they didn't have a lot, but they had enough because God always showed up to provide for them. And I'm here to reassure you that if you're willing to trust God with all that you have, there may be moments when you don't have a lot, but you sure will have enough. Because God is faithful. He's not going to leave us in the poorhouse. Then when I married into the Ryan family and I married Danae, I discovered that my in-laws are generous too. Pastor Jim and Denise, they are above and beyond generous. We're all beneficiaries of their generosity and the life of generosity that they've lived. I've seen them give. I've seen my father-in-law give $50 to a single mom. She's struggling making the ends meet. I've seen them give to sponsor kids to go to camp or to a kid's camp or some other experience. I've seen them be the first to give to a building program. They're above and beyond generous. And they've been generous for all of their lives and all the time that I've known them. And they're still generous today. In fact, Pastor Jim was at a church conference just a couple of weeks ago. And I overheard about a conversation that happened between him and a pastor and that pastor friend's adult daughter who is married They're having a conversation catching up and Pastor Jim turned to his pastor friend and said, hey, I'm sure you're excited about the possibility of them giving you more grandkids because that's what grandparents talk about. And then the face of the pastor friend, of Pastor Jim, grew serious and there were tears in his eyes and his daughter began to cry. And then the pastor stepped forward and whispered in hushed tones. He said, Pastor Jim, Truth is, they've been struggling with infertility. We already have a a grandchild through them, but for the past couple of years, they've been struggling and they're heartbroken because they want to be parents again. They believe that there's another child that God wants to bring to life through them, but they just haven't experienced that. So Pastor Jim said, I'm sorry, and he took a step back. And right at that moment, there was a spiritual boldness that rose up in his spirit. And he said to the pastor and to the, To the young lady, he said, God will do it. God will do it. God will do it. God will give you another child. And so what he did is he took out $50 and he handed it to that soon-to-be-expecting mom. He gave her $50. He said, use this $50 to buy their very first outfit. So when they come home, they have an outfit. And I want you to tell them when they grow up that God made this happen and that there was somebody who gave in to invest For what happens in the kingdom of God is when we sow into someone else's miracle, we see God's miracles. When we sow into someone else's miracle, we see God's miracles. I don't know about you, but I want to see the miracles of God. I'm willing to invest and to sow into God's kingdom to see miracles come to pass. Today, God is inviting us to see generosity not as an expense, but as an opportunity for us to partner with him in what he's doing in the world. He's inviting us to lean in. He's inviting us to discover the joy that comes from being generous. In just a moment, we're going to gather together in a holy moment of worship. We're going to give unto God with joy in our hearts. But Right now, I want to invite you in your own heart to pray this prayer. God, what would you have me do with what belongs to you? God, what would you have me do with what belongs to you? I believe that whatever he speaks, that he's going to provide enough. If if you're if you, have an, if you are willing to step out in faith and give what he tells you to give, I believe he's going to make sure you don't, you don't lack anything that you need. God is inviting us to step in and discover his power and what he can do. Here's the second step that we can take to experience God's blessings. The second one is this, honor God. It activates overflow blessings. Overflow blessings. That's what it says in Proverbs 3 verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will bubble over with new wine. This is a conditional promise. If we do what God asks, He will do His part. If we do our part, He'll do His part. I also believe that honoring God puts us right directly in God's miracle zone. I believe there's a zone of miracles that God can allow us to live in we can walk in the faithfulness of God and experience miracles in our life. God wants us to discover the power of miracles. He speaks about it in Malachi chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. He says this. This is how God describes his miracles. Only. He says this. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Not just part of it, but everything. That there may be food in my house. Test me in this. That's a really profound statement. He's saying, test me. And then he goes on to say, Say this, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing. Say, so much blessing that there will not be enough room for you to store it. God has more blessing than you can store if we're willing to trust him and test Test him in this. And I'm just inviting us as a church to trust him, to take him at his word, and to believe that he's going to provide all that we need, and exceedingly, abundantly, more than all that we can ask or imagine, according to his power, that is at work within us. God's challenging us to do and to be faithful with what he speaks to us. In all the years, Pastor Dene and I, we've been married. Even before that, when we were dating, we've always tied. We've tied in the good moments, and we've tied in the lean moments, and there's been some moments where we weren't poor, we were po, we were po. We didn't, we were po. We couldn't afford the OR on that. We were pope. We just, man, thank you, Jesus, for his blessing. Uh, but there was a moment in 2019 where, where we had one of those months where everything hit all at once. Our, our AC broke and our fridge died. And we couldn't resurrect it from the dead. but it's. So what do we have to do? It's in the middle of August, right? I can't let my kids swelter in the heat. And not my wife either. So we had to repair both. But we had decided that we were still going to tithe. We went ahead and we tithed. And we said we're going to trust God. Even though we knew we had some financial commitments at the end of the month. At the end of the month, my, my wife, she's opening up some letters. And there's a bill that comes in that we knew was coming. It was for $400. She said, John, look. I said, I know. I said, I don't know how we're going to pay this. He said, but God, we're going to trust you. We're going to trust you. We've been faithful. We've been faithful to tithe. We've been faithful with our life. We're just going to trust that you give the increase. Two minutes later, two minutes later, my wife opens up another letter. And in that letter, it's a letter from our mortgage company with a refund check. We had overpaid into our escrow account, and the check was for $427. God met the need and a little bit more. I had enough to take my wife to McDonald's on a date. We didn't have a lot, but we had enough. Because we were willing to take him at his word. We were willing to trust him and say, God, you own everything that we have. All that we have and all that we are belongs to you. Today God's inviting us to trust him. I have been burdened in my heart for this message for months. That you would hear God's heart. And that you'd be so compelled that you would follow through on what he speaks to you. I'm praying that you'd step out in faith and be bold. Sometimes when we step out in faith, our legs are shaking. But I want to reassure you that when you step out in faith, you stand on the rock that is Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter if you're quaking on the rock. The rock doesn't quake under you. He will be faithful to his word. He'll hold you up. He'll stand you fast. You'll be able to move forward. God's inviting us to step forward and be courageous I'm praying that God will give you the spiritual courage that you need to follow through in what he speaks to your heart. In fact, I'm inviting you To plow your heart. What does plow stand for? Pray, listen, and obey, and expect a God wow. Pray, listen, and obey, and expect a God wow. Pray, listen, and obey, and expect a God wow. I believe that if you pray from your heart and say, God, what would you have me do with what belongs to you? And then you listen and you obey, that God will provide an an extravagant, immeasurably more wow than anything you could ask or imagine. He's inviting us to step out and to trust him. He's inviting us to believe that his word is true. A couple months ago, in fact, nearly a year ago, my wife and I, we were seeking the heart of God. We knew that we were gonna be stepping in as lead pastors and we just felt burden in our hearts to plow our heart. We asked God, what would you have us do with what belongs to you, with what you've given to us? Specifically with regard to our finances. And God spoke, he said, I want you to give 20% pre-tax of everything that comes in took a step back in our own hearts. We said, God, wow, that's significant. we never given that much, ever. We said, God, we're going to trust you. We're going to trust you. We want to live in your miracle zone. And God's been good. I'm here to testify that one of the great miracles in our life is that we've got two kids that love Jesus. Two kids that 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 want to lean into his presence, two kids that love worshiping, two kids that want to do ministry, not because we've asked them to, but because they feel a tug of God. They're the paydays. They're the paydays. And I say, God, thank you for letting me experience the payday that comes from you because we are willing to be obedient. Every parent's prayer is that they'll see their kids in heaven. And I'm saying, God, sustain them and protect them. Make sure that them and their families, should you tarry and not come back, that they'll know you. This is what the blessing of God can do in our lives. So today, as I close, I invite you to stand and I invite each one of us to pray and listen and obey. Whatever he speaks, I invite you to trust him. If there's a specific number or a specific percentage that he tells you to give, I want to encourage you to do it. Give joyfully. This is a moment of worship. There's, I want to encourage no one to move. This is a sacred moment where we get to worship God with what he's entrusted to us. And here is my belief on the authority of scripture, that if you're willing to follow through with what God speaks to you, he's going to pour out immeasurably more blessing on you. I believe that That in the next week or so, if you're willing to be faithful in this, God's going to show you in a tangible way about how he's faithful. I was talking to one of our pastors backstage. And he was telling me, we've had a hard month, but we were willing to tithe. He said, just yesterday, we got an escrow check for more than we expected because we too overpaid. And God has paid us back. (laughs) God wants to do the immeasurably more. I invite you right now to give. Give joyfully. Here at Westover, there's four methods of giving. I invite you to find the method that works best for you if you're giving check or cash. Use the give envelope that's found right in front of you in the seat back. You can give digitally via text to give. Just include the amount to the number on the screen. If you want to designate it to Kingdom Builders, just designate it Kingdom. You can also give via Cash App or via our website or via our app. We want to encourage you. To follow through on what God speaks. And so, right now, I just invite all of us to bow our heads and close our eyes. God, I pray right now that you'd pour out immeasurably more blessing on your people as they honor you, as they trust you with the first fruits of all their increase. I believe, God, that if they give to you what you've spoken to their heart, that you're gonna provide overflow, immeasurably more blessing to them. And God, I believe you're gonna do it in a tangible way, you're gonna show them that you are faithful to your word, God. If they're willing to trust you, that you're going to pour out blessing. I pray, Lord, that you give them the spiritual confidence. It doesn't make sense in the natural, but it makes sense in the supernatural that when we give to you, you're going to give back. Pray, Lord, you just bless your people. Let them hear from you. Speak clearly. Give them your grace. Give them your love. Let them know that you will be the one to provide for them. Because in life, if we're in charge of our resources, we're in charge of the results. But God, when you're in charge of our resources, you're in charge of the results. And God, you're so much better at producing results than we are. I pray, Lord, you bless your people today. Let them experience the joy that comes in giving to you. Bless them today. In Jesus' name, And everybody said, amen. 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 Right before I dismiss, here's what I'd invite you to do. If in a tangible way this next week, God does something unusual to bless you because of your faithfulness. Come and find me. I want to celebrate with you about how God has been good and faithful to you. Thank you so much for joining us today. God bless you, and we're dismissed.